Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is... Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'll be going over the stats and schematic stuff that I found interesting about the Lions' win over the Chicago Bears in Week 11. First, I want to say that I saw something the Lions hadn't done much this season. They were using Brian Branch as a deep safety and cover two play calls a little bit. And uh, given that he's clearly got the nickel position nailed down, I don't really have a problem with them expanding his role, unlike I do with most rookies. They did this when the Bears came out in 21 personnel, which is two running backs and a tight end. And the Lions defense, when they did that, shifted into a base 4-3, taking the nickel off the field. But rather than taking Branch off the field, they occasionally took off Tracy Walker. This is in stark contrast with what I've complained about previously that they've done with Jack Campbell, whereas Jack Campbell moved to an alien position, and now they're moving him back to his more natural off-ball spot, and he looks justifiably confused as to what's going on all the time, because there is no worse development model for a rookie than trying to teach them a different position than they played in college. Like, I'm not a complete fanboy who believes the team can do no wrong. Like I said, when they drafted him, I, I would not have done that. But I do like the player. He was the best linebacker prospect in the draft. He was in my top 25 prospects list. So it'll probably be fine at some point, I think. But I, I definitely would have not drafted him to move him to the edge spot. Like, if you want an edge, draft an edge. I would have done that in any round of the draft. He's a player who got by on short area quickness and anticipation. Switching his position robbed him of the opportunity to develop the understanding required to have great anticipation at the next level. Like instincts, I think, is the most BS word in football analysis, because when a player shows great instincts, it's because they understand the defense, their role in it, and they've prepared for what the offense is going to do. If you move a guy with great instincts to a different spot, you rob him of that understanding of the defense and how he fits in it. That's a thing the Lions screwed up. With Branch, at the beginning of the year, Branch played so well that they moved a veteran player outside of their comfort zone to start the year. They moved C.J. Gardner-Johnson, like he didn't become an $8 million free agent at the safety spot that the Lions were playing him at to begin the year. One thing I do wonder is whether the Lions are testing Branch at the deep safety role because C.J. Gardner-Johnson didn't exactly excel in it at times. Like he said on Twitter that he'll be back in a couple weeks from his torn pectoral muscle. 
with Branch at safety and Gardner Johnson at the nickel spot, he was actually signed to play. Or having the ability to switch those two between those two positions would be a nice wrinkle for the Lions to have to throw at teams. Campbell, on the other hand, is in recovery from the Lions' bad choices. Uh, but regardless of what the team has done, he's a linebacker now. He had his hands on guys, and they kept going all day. Uh, the Lions didn't erase the knowledge of how to tackle a player from his brain by trying him at the edge spot for a couple games. The only Lions defender with a worse PFF grade than Jack Campbell this week was Will Harris, who played one snap and got a pass interference penalty in the end zone. Hopefully, Branch can handle the additional duties on the back end. It's not like he's never played that position before. He did line up in that spot for Alabama at times. So what did the Bears' defense do to mess with Jared Goff? Generally, Matt Eberflus's cover two defense drops their linebackers to a 10-yard depth or more in zone coverage, and they keep the receiver's patterns in front of them to limit big plays. That's their general strategy. What they did this week was only drop them about 5 to 7 yards off the line. Why is that a huge deal? Uh, rather than having easy completions over the middle for 7 yards, receivers' patterns were disrupted because there was a guy literally standing where they're supposed to run. Uh, defenders were in spots that the Lions were not expecting. So, for example, on TJ Edwards' interception, uh, I've watched a lot of Bears defense for the Around the Division segments that I do. I don't think I ever saw him in that spot in zone coverage at any point prior to this game. Now, does that give Jared Goff an excuse to have thrown three interceptions? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, the quarterback needs to react to what's happening, not what he expects to happen. I'm not here to make excuses for the guy. Just to say what the Bears did and why it worked in this particular game. The Lions got something completely different from what they expected. They prepared a game plan. And at least in the passing game, that game plan was based on faulty expectations. There were other unexpected wrinkles in the defense, but that's the big one that really messed with Goff all day. It had him just constantly hitching extra times, deciding where he was going to throw the ball. Uh, they all, one of those is that they did a great job of uh, hiding their blitz packages. Like they'd walk one linebacker to the line and then have another player from a completely different spot be the person who actually blitzed. And it worked pretty well for them until the Lions got into their hurry-up offense. And that's why the hurry-up offense worked so well is because up-tempo quick throws make that blitzer less relevant, so it's harder to get pressure on the quarterback. But enough with the negatives. The Lions won this game, after all. And divisional games are just weird, man. Like, that's there's Patriots dynasty. Even that rarely went 6-0 and in the AFC East, and there were some often really bad teams in the AFC East, and they would just drop one to one of those teams when it should never have happened. So, good things. Uh, the Lions have gone 8-2 and two for the first time since 1962, uh, but they'll need to get to 13-2 and two to have the best start in team history uh, because that 1962 team only lost two games for a record of 12-2 and two on the season. Uh, this is the first seven-game win streak for the Lions since the NFL-AFL merger. Job. How's that for a, a great history of failing? Uh, they have scored a touchdown of 20 yards or more in nine straight games. And that is the Lions' longest streak of doing that since 1963. 
this was the first time the Lions have had two running backs over 75 yards with a touchdown in consecutive games ever. They've, they've never done that. The last time the Lions had two running backs with 500 yards and five touchdowns on the ground through 10 games was 1936 with Dutch Clark and Ace Katowski. And if you remember those names, it's probably because I did a profile on them before the season for some reason. Dutch was a quarterback. That's why the players, not running backs. But in 1936, that just meant he took the snap and sometimes ran it himself instead of handing it off. Uh, let's get to some individual player stats from the game. Alex Anzalone had a career-high 15 tackles. That is his 27th game, consecutive game, with five or more. Brian Branch had three tackles for loss. That is the first defensive back rookie to do it twice in one season, three tackles for loss, in the 21st century. He's tied the Lions' rookie record. Sorry, the, the Lions' record for tackles for loss by a defensive back in a season already this year with seven games left. <laughs> Maybe that's why the Lions haven't been great, is that one guy can come in and, and tie that record with, with only nine. Uh, Jameer Gibbs put up his fourth straight game with a rushing touchdown, tying the Lions' rookie record. Uh, Barry Sanders and Kevin Jones are the two guys he's tied with. He's the first rookie to put up 35 rushing and receiving yards in four straight games. Ever. Lions-wise. Uh, he has tied the Lions rookie record for consecutive games with 95 or more scrimmage yards. Uh, he's produced 50 or more yards in the first eight games of his career. Uh, the only other player who's ever done that was James Jones. How about Aiden Hutchinson? In this game, he became the fastest player in NFL history to accumulate 15 sacks, 4 interceptions, and 2 fumble recoveries. He did that at 27 games. The previous record holder was Brian Urlacher, the Bears' middle linebacker, who did it in 33. The fastest a defensive lineman has ever put up that particular array of stats uh, was Grant, Wis Grant Wistrom, who took 66 games to do it. Ali McNeil became the first Lions interior defensive lineman since Ndamukong Su in 2014 to record five sacks in a season. David Montgomery set a new high mark for the Lions in rushing yards seven games into their time with the team and rushing touchdowns in their first seven games with the team. Almond Ross St. Brown became the only, or sorry, became only the second Lions receiver to record at least five touchdown receptions in their first three seasons. And it was not Megatron. It's not Herman Moore. It was Roy Williams. St. Brown has had four or more receptions in 20 straight games, which is too short of Herman Moore's 22-game streak, which would be the, that's the Lions record. Jameson Williams recorded the third receiving TD of his career. All of those TDs have been 30 or more yards. It's a hell of a trick if you've only got one. But his second trick of the day was handing out turkeys to 25 families that needed them. Jim was a good guy. I'm not eating that ice cream burger thing, uh, but you guys do you. I had a buddy that worked for McDonald's in high school, and the weird stuff that their staff would do to their food after six months of working there 
because they got a free meal every shift. Uh, and you get tired of eating bad food. <laughs> I saw my buddy put Skittles and barbecue sauce on a McChicken patty and then stuff that inside of Big Mac as the middle bun. Horrifying. And on that note, we're done today. Tomorrow I'll be previewing the Packers right before you watch the Packers game on Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving. See you then. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.